have your Bibles, turn to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 will be in verses 5 through 8 and 13 through 15. Struggle with humility. Last few Sundays, uh, I've been kind of focused on 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if God, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I think it's important for us to understand that this is some very, very important doctrine for us. It's, it's God telling us what he expects from his people. We use it a lot for revival, but uh, a couple Sundays ago we talked about prayer and how important that it was. We talked about uh, how to turn from our wicked ways last Sunday, but today we're going to focus on humility. Because in that verse, God tells us, if you're my people and you're called by my name, you need to humble yourselves. The key to becoming what God wants us to be is humility. And humility is a very unique concept. Because just as soon as you think, well, I'm humble, I'm about as humble as I can be, well, then you've opened yourself up for pride. Because that's what we do, isn't it? It's not that we can be what God wants us to be, but we want to be the best that we can be at it. Humility comes natural to Jesus, but not to us, because we have a sin nature. And when God says, humble yourself, he's letting you know that it is a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle. I think it's, uh, for pastors, it's, uh, it's easy to see. If I, if, I, if I do a sermon and I go and someone says, well, that was a wonderful sermon, or, or you really spoke to me. You know, there, there's a party and you want to puff up your chest and say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. But in reality, you have to realize that anything I say up here that touches you, that you think is good in any way, is not me. It's God. The only way you can tell it's me is if I read the wrong passage, or, 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 or I miss a word, or I call Peter Paul, or Paul Peter, which I do quite often. But the struggle is to be humble. And humility is the absence of pride and arrogance. And if we're not humble, we try to better ourselves at the expense of others, or, or to get more than other people have. Or we act superior to others because... We fail to recognize that we're all made in God's image and we're all special to him in every way. And God hates pride. Have you ever, have you ever uh, asked yourself and thought to yourself, well, what do they think they are? Who do they think they are? Well, that's pride. Pride says that I need to get higher than everyone else, but humility says I need to lift others up. Jesus is our example. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2. See what it says about Jesus. Starting verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And down to verse 13 it says, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning to spend a little bit of time in your word, Father, to help us to understand how important humility is. And Father, how important it is as we serve you. Because if we're humble, Father, we give you all the glory. And Father, that's the way it should be. So in this time we have together, Father, let us focus on you and what you'd have us to understand. Because it's important, Father, as your church, as your people, to be what you want us to be. Because like that last verse said, we're to shine in this world. And we can only do that if we live the way you tell us to. So, Father, be with us. Guide us and direct us. For in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. We must constantly guard against pride. Let's look at how pride can destroy a church, first of all. In, in, in Revelations, when you have the letters to the seven churches, and each one of these churches represents a church now, as it was then. It also it represents a Christian, because as a child of God, we are the church. So the church of the Laodiceans, in chapter 3 of Revelation, starting in verse 15, it says, I know thy works, that thou art neither hot, cold nor hot, I would thou wert hot or cold. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou say, uh, sayest, I am rich, and increase that with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to... Uh, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, the anoint, and anoint thine eyes with uh, eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, uh, be zealous, and in, in therefore, and repent. So we see a church here that was lukewarm, they weren't hot nor cold. They, didn't, they served God, but they didn't serve with any kind of enthusiasm. They weren't looking at their need to have God in their life, and God control their actions, and God to meet their needs. They had a bank account. They had money in the bank. They, had, they thought they were rich, but they were missing out on what the church really, truly needs is the blessings from God. They were focused on what they had instead of on who gave it to them. And humility is knowing uh, all we have is of God, and we reach only for him. You know, there's a problem with this country, I believe, because it's one of the richest countries in the world. We have so much here that I think we get to the point where we don't look to God anymore. Um, there's a reason why the Bible tells us that it's harder for... Uh, camel to enter the eye of the needle and the rich man to enter the, in the gates of heaven because it's true. Because if you're rich, you're looking at what you have instead of what you need. And I think that's what we do sometimes as a church, as a believer. The church in the lay of the city thought they were rich, but God says you weren't. You're blind. You're naked. You're poor. You're miserable. If you depend on anything other than God, Pride has turned that into an idol. We talk about this on Wednesday night. We talk about idols that we make in our life. We must humble ourselves. But why? Well, first of all, we humble 
uh, humility is the character of God. Look at verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We are called to have the mind of Christ. Jesus came to serve. He lowered himself to uh, deliver forgiveness to all who believe. We can really see the humility in God's character. In Psalms 113, verses 5 through 9, it says, Who is likened to the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbled himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? He raised up the poor out of the dust and lifted the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princesses, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. In this little short passage here, it shows us some things we need to understand about God. That he is high and lifted up. There's no one higher than God. He is greater than anything else. But he also humbles himself and lowers himself to pick us up out of the dirt and the dung and to set us on the rock of Jesus Christ. He is willing to go as, to, to, as low as he can to pick us up, to lift us up. It's an amazing concept here. That we come from the dust. He's greater than everything, but he humbled himself to show us how we are to behave. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. That's our God. And Christ lowered himself. He lowered himself. And he taught us humility by example. In John chapter 13, starting in verse 2. It's at the Last Supper before Jesus goes to the cross. And it says, The supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of uh, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and after he had poured water into a basin, he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. What a wonderful, wonderful picture of humility. It's Jesus, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus, who is the Son of God, who left heaven's glory to come to this earth. He was washing his, the disciples' feet like a servant washes his master's feet. Jesus showed that he was willing to do anything for others. Lord himself to wash some nasty, dirty feet. Remember what John the Baptist said about Jesus? In Mark 1, 7, uh, he said, And I preach, saying, There cometh one mightier than, than uh, after me, whose latchet I, uh, of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloosen. John the Baptist said, Jesus is coming, and I'm not even worthy to take his shoes off. And Jesus came and lowered himself and washed his disciples' feet. We know who Jesus is. And we also see how he lived. We're saved, children of God, citizens of heaven. But we must live to serve others so that they can see Jesus in our humility. They need to see Jesus in our humility. Because humility is not natural to a human. But humility should be required of a child of God. Because Jesus was there. And if the humility is God's character, it had better be our character too. Second, we must understand that humility is not weakness. 
Look at verses 6 and 8. 6 and 7, I'm sorry. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made into the likeness of men. Sometimes we substitute meekness for humility. And meekness comes from uh, the knowledge that God is in control of our lives, not us. And the world sees, um, sees it as weakness. To them, that our meekness, our, our humility, looks like a lack of strength and courage. But it's really a person's conscious choice to follow the will of God. Jesus didn't come to show everybody the, the, what he could do. He could pull himself off that cross. He could stand before them. He didn't come to be king. He came to serve mankind, to serve people. That was God's plan for him, to go to the cross and die, to be that final sacrifice, the only sacrifice that would work to take away the sins of the world. But the world sees it as weakness. Those who hated Jesus thought he was weak. But he chose to be in the will of God. Look at Jesus' example from the cross. In Matthew 27, verse 39 through 43, it says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. They mocked him. They looked at it as weakness. So if you can save anybody, save yourself. If you who you say you are, come down, we'll believe you. Oh, the humility that it took for Jesus to stay on that cross. The humility to leave heaven, to become a man, to be tortured and crucified by the very creatures you created. The humility it took. But it also took strength to stay in God's will. Jesus could have ended it at any time. He could have called down a legion of angels and pulled him off that cross. But he chose to stay. Why? Because it was God's will. God uh, sent him on a mission. He didn't come to show him his power He came to show them his humility. Show him the depths of his love. Show them what he was willing to do for the people of this world to bring salvation. Courage to stay. Our humility makes it possible to stay in God's will as we choose to give him complete control. See, that's why humility is so hard for us. We want to have control over things. We want to decide what we do. We want to decide how we live. But God says, if you want to please me, then you'll have to submit to my will all the time. That means we need to humble ourselves. The people who hated Jesus made a sad mistake in thinking that because he did not defend himself on the cross, he was weak. But humility in a Christian will cause him to, not to rush to defend himself, but to let God handle it. We must live our lives as Jesus. Romans 12, 18 through 21 says, 
If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peacefully with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give peace unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemies hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. It's an amazing passage, isn't it? God says, I don't want you to avenge anything. I don't want you to, to, to fight for me. I want you to let me do the fighting. I need you to live humbly, lifting other people up, reflecting Jesus Christ in your life. Listen, you'll never point someone to Jesus Christ while you're shaking the fist at them. But you point them to Christ when someone hates you and you feed them because they're hungry. Or you give them something to drink because they're thirsty. Humility is knowing that God will right every wrong. But being humble doesn't mean we cannot act with strength or authority. Jesus showed us this when he cleansed the temple. When he made a, 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 a scourge from small cords and he drove out the oxen and the sheep. And he overturned the tables of the money changers. It doesn't mean weakness. It means you're allowing God to have control. Jesus didn't do anything unless he was in the will of God. And the reason that was not sin, what he'd done in the temple, is because it was God's will. But God must be in charge of your actions, not us. Humility is not weakness. It's trusting in the Lord. Third, humility will help us have the right view of ourselves. Look at verse 8. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came to be that perfect sacrifice for sin, and when he returns, he'll come back as king. And it is important that we understand our position in God's kingdom. Romans 12, 3 tells us, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man a measure of faith. He said, don't think of yourself more highly than what you are. I've said this before many times in here. I, I never want to be anything except a Savior saved by grace. That's all I want to be. Because that's all I'll ever be. That, 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 that's as high as I can get. All right? Because in this life, you're, you're either a sinner or you're a sinner saved by grace. And humility helps us to see that only God is on the throne, not us. Nothing else. So how should we view ourselves? Well, first of all, we should see ourselves as insufficient to save ourselves. We can't even save ourselves. How important can we be? How high and puffed up can we be? How much pride can we be? We know we can't save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't do enough good to get to heaven. It must rely, we must rely upon the wonderful gift of God. He saves us because he loves us, not because of who we are. We'll never be able to stand and say, well, God is so lucky that I'm in his kingdom. God is so lucky that I'm a child of God. You'll never say that. No, you're blessed because God chose to reveal to you who Jesus Christ was. 
God chose you to be in a place where somebody preached the word of God and for some reason you finally realized it, that you can't save yourself and you need someone to save you and Jesus is it, only it. And then you humble yourself. You come down off your throne and you realize, I need someone to save me. I need a savior. And you cry out to Jesus and he saves you. It's a wonderful gift of God. So we can't save ourselves, but we're also insufficient in living the Christian life. We're not qualified to live the life God wants us to live. We can't. You can't get saved and go out and say, okay, I'm going to be the best Christian there is. I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to God. If you do that, you're going to fail. Because you don't have the ability to save yourself. You don't have the ability to live a life that pleases God. But fortunately, he takes care of that for you. In, in John chapter 15, verse 4 through 5. 4 through 6, I'm sorry. Jesus said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you expect uh, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, uh, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. <laughs> Jesus said, you can't save yourself, but I can. Jesus says, you can't live a life pleasing to God. He said, but I can. He said, if you allow me into your heart, I'll save you. But not only that, if you abide in me, if you study thy word, if you pray, if you understand who I am, if you make me Lord of your life, if you put me on the throne of your heart, I'll teach you how to live a life that's pleasing to God. For without me, you can do nothing. You can't please God on our own. It's not what we do. It's how we submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And without God, we can't please him. Matthew 18.4 says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. God's not looking at you to see what you'll do. God is not proud of the pastor who has a church of 25,000 people because God did that. God's not looking for you to see what he's proud of. He's looking at you to see if you're still that same little child that fell down at the foot of the cross and said, Lord, save me. And he said, come unto me, child. All these that are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. If you're still that same child that comes to him, every single day of your life, he'll lift you up, and you'll be the greatest in heaven because you live a life submitted to him. We can never say, I did this or I did that. It is God working through us as we come to him as a child. And we must remove all pride and humble ourselves because we are so insufficient. We're insufficient to pray. We're insufficient to live. We're insufficient to save ourselves. We're insufficient to please God. We're so insufficient. But the Bible says, I'll give you everything you need. With me, you'll suffice. Finally, humility helps us to see God's work in times of trouble. Look at 13 through 15. 
For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. The, one, of the, one of the greatest things about humility is, even though the world looks at you as being weak, as, 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 as having no courage, as being afraid of things, the greatest thing about humility is, it is the only way that God's light can shine through you. Because sin and pride and arrogance blot out that sin, that, that light that the world needs to see. Because our humility takes the focus off of us and puts it on God. And our life is not about what we do, but about what God does through us. And trials and tribulations are not a time to panic, but a time to trust in the Lord. It says no murmuring, no disputing. Trust in God. It is the times of trouble when we have the best opportunity to humble ourselves before God. It's that moment when something happens where you say, well, there's nothing I can do. I can't throw money at it. I don't have the resources to fix this. This problem here is something that goes beyond my control, and you turn it over to God. God says it's about time. Isn't it it awful that sometimes the hardships, the troubles that come into our life is the only times we cry out to God? Why are we so proud? Why are we trying to handle things on our own? It's the times of trouble when we have the opportunity to humble ourselves before God. It is a chance to show God all of our faith is in Him. I'll close with this passage in Psalms 119, verse 70 through 75. The Bible says, Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me, give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me. You know, sometimes we, we look at affliction as uh, something that God's doing to us, as some kind of punishment. The disciples looked at that when they seen the man who had been blind since birth, and they said, well, who's sinned, him or his parents? Well, the blindness didn't come from sin. The blindness came so that God could get the glory through Jesus healing him. And sometimes we look at hard times as, as God punishing us, and good times as God's blessing, but sometimes it's opposite. Sometimes the good things happen in our life are there, for Satan to pull us away from God, but sometimes the hard things, the bad things, the trouble that comes into our life is a time when we draw closer to God, when we dig deeper into his word, when we understand that it's not about us, it's not about what I know or what I can do, it's about what God wants to show me through this. It's a time not to murmur and dispute, but it's a time to to cry out to God as a child. And the Father's always there ready. Humility comes when we realize that God never changes. 
The same God of the mountain is the same God in the valley. And we must never stop trying to humble ourselves because it is a daily struggle we go through. If my people shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, it begins with humility. And humility is part of God's character. Humility is not weakness, it's strength. It's a choice to trust God. Humility gives us the right view of ourselves, where we are in the kingdom of God. We're his children. We'll always be his children. And humility helps us to see God's works in times of trouble. As he tries to lead and direct us to be what he wants us to be. Where are you at today, church? And you know, it's a it's a kind of a tricky question because right now you may be feeling pretty humble. But an hour from now you may have let pride creep back in again. That's a, that's a struggle. This sin cursed body, this world that we live in, there's always that part of us that wants to be better, be the best, want people to recognize us for what we do. And God says, I put that light in you so to block you out so that people will see me. Jesus didn't come to show the, the Pharisees, that he was uh, the Son of God. He came to show the world that he was willing to die on that cross for them. That he was willing to obey the will of the Father above everything else. And that's what he did. So today, if you're here today and you struggle with this, realize who you are. You're a child of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> this is something we all struggle with. This is not something where I think somebody can say, well, you know, that's not my problem. That's he's preaching to somebody else. Because every time I preach a sermon, I'm preaching to me first. But I think that humility is something that we need to all focus on. If you know that God put a light in you, and you know the world around you is dark, and there's people who are, who are blinded by Satan, who are dying and going to hell, and you know that, and you know God put a light in you, wouldn't you try to do everything you can to make that light shine? And part of that is living a life in humility. He says live peacefully as much as possible with all men. Why? He says if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're, thir if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And he says you will heap coals of fire on their head. That doesn't mean you're going to make them mad because you do that. That because that brings conviction. That makes them stop and think, so, well, I, I hate him. I just got through cursing him. Why is he bringing me food? Why does he care for me when I don't care for him? It's the conviction God wants you to see. God doesn't want them to see you. God wants them to see him in you. And you can't do that unless you're trying to live peacefully with all people, loving your enemies, caring for each other, lifting people up, showing people God in your life. And the reason humility to do that is because that's not natural for us. That's not a characteristic of being human. That's a characteristic of God. And He can expand that and cause it to grow, but only only if we submit to his will. Submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're here today and you struggle with that, make a commitment. 
Humility is making a conscious decision to live in the will of God. It's saying no matter how I feel, no matter what I think, no matter what I want to do, I'm not going to do it unless God tells me to. Unless it's his will. And see how God will change things. See how you can become that testimony for him, that light shining in the wilderness. See how you can bring uh, effect to other people's lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Father, because we are weak and we're insufficient. And we gather here on Sundays not because it's a habit, not because we think we have to, but we come here, Father, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to be a blessing to each other.